0: Greetings in the name of our wonderful Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This devotional is titled, Persecuted for Christ's Sake. Matthew 5.10 emphasizes persecution for righteousness' sake. That is, for what is right according to God's standards generally. If you just take a stand for simple morality, the world will seek to persecute you for it, in one form or another. However, in Matthew 5.11, Jesus makes it very personal. That is, he makes it about association with him. Matthew five eleven reads Jesus said Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you, and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. To revile is to insult. Ridiculing with insults and persecution tend to go together. And then Jesus adds and say all kinds of evil against you falsely. That is slander. Few things are more damaging and hurtful than slander. The name devil means slander. Note that Jesus here indicates that sometimes persecution takes the form of verbal persecution. It's not always violence. In fact, probably most of the time it's verbal, involving insult, ridicule, and slander. Jesus very specifically says... He is addressing the case when people are persecuted in this way for my sake. This happens because of association with Jesus. But in God's sovereign eternal ways, this ultimately turns out to be in the position of being blessed. Matthew 5.12, Jesus continued on. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Exceedingly glad. For great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. When we are verbally persecuted for Christ's sake, we should rejoice and be exceedingly glad for two reasons. Number one, our reward will be, will be great in heaven. Maintain an eternal perspective. Be faithful. The day of reward is coming and that is something to celebrate. Number two, in enduring verbal persecution. We're in good company because this is how the prophets of old were also persecuted. What an honor to be in the company of the holy prophets. Note the parallel here. The prophets were persecuted for being faithful to God, while we are persecuted for our faithfulness to Jesus. This, in effect, puts Jesus on par with God, which he is. This emphasis on persecution certainly shows that this discourse has application to the present time, because in the kingdom there won't be any more persecution of God's people. Even though the kingdom proper is future, as God's children, as the body of Christ, as the bride of Christ, we are kingdom citizens, and we are to live like it. Paul said that those who practice ungodly behavior will not inherit the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians 6, 9-11 In contrast, those who practice righteousness give evidence that they will inherit the kingdom. In Colossians 4.11, Paul said his fellow workers were, quote, workers for the kingdom of God. Dr. Michael Vlock writes, one must be saved and evidence righteous behavior to enter the kingdom. On the other hand, those who are characterized by evil deeds show that the kingdom does not belong to them. These truths do not indicate that salvation or kingdom entrance is based on works, but they show that, by faith, kingdom citizens have the power of the new covenant ministry of the Holy Spirit in their lives, bringing forth righteous behavior. Romans fourteen seventeen <clears throat> says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy by the Holy Spirit. What Paul is saying is that we as God's people in the church age should live in light of a kingdom ethic because, in fact, we are kingdom people. We are headed for the kingdom and therefore should live accordingly. 1 Thessalonians 2:11 and 12, you know how we exhorted you and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children, that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. This is our calling. It's a kingdom calling. One biblical scholar writes, Quote, Matthew chapters 5-7 through 7 represent the Magna Carta, the great charter of the king. The Sermon on the Mount presents the king's description of true repentance, of a lifestyle that pleases God. In reality, it lays out the kingdom ethics of how God's people are now expected to live in light of their kingdom citizenship. There's an old spiritual that has a line that says, everybody talking about heaven ain't going there. How true. If we truly know the king and are headed for the kingdom, it should be obvious in our life. We will live by a whole different ethic than does the world. But don't think the world's going to applaud us for it. As we openly identify with Jesus, we can expect that the world will in one form or another abuse us for it. It has always been the case. It was true of the prophets, it's true of Christ, and it will be true of us as well if indeed our light shines brightly for Christ. But just as true, those abused for Christ's sake have a great reward in heaven. Keep pressing on, for the kingdom is about to come into full view. 1 Thessalonians 3.3 That no one should be shaken by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we were that we are appointed to this. We are appointed to this. Lord, we thank you for your sovereign ways, and uh, we count it a privilege to live for you, yea, even to suffer for you. No one likes to suffer, of course, but Lord, uh, for your sake, it's a a glorious uh, thing to be able to stand for you. And uh, Lord, no matter what the world says, uh, even though they may abuse us and slander us and persecute us, Lord, you tell us uh, our reward is great in heaven. We need to keep our focus on heaven, on the eternal perspective. It will be worth it all. So, Lord, help us to be faithful for such a time as this. I pray in Christ's name. Amen.